bid you welcome to this special service of remembrance tonight. And we're going to ask the congregation to stand, please, to receive His Majesty's representative, Dr. Bailey. be seated. Just before we sing our opening hymn, we have something special just to fit in. I've asked two of my grandchildren to sing a little piece we're gathered to remember. So Jake and Reuben are going to sing that for us now. Jake and Reuben. We come to our opening praise tonight, which is a hymn that is associated with Remembrance Sunday. O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast, and our eternal home. Mm -hmm. 
may be seated. We're going to bow together and seek the Lord in prayer. Let's call upon his name. Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, in the worthy and the all-precious name of your dear Son, we come into the house of God tonight and we come before your presence to worship our God. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is seated at the right hand of the Father, the one who ever lives to make intercession for his people. And even now we're conscious that there is a man in the glory and he's praying for us and he's interceding even for this meeting. We pray for a real conscious sense of the presence of God tonight, that the Lord will be here working in our hearts, drawing us after the Lord tonight in those things that we need to know and those things that we need to remember. This is Remembrance Sunday. We think of all who have paid that ultimate sacrifice, giving their lives for our freedoms, that we might come to the house of God like this and worship God with liberty and with freedom. We thank you for all who sacrifice their lives that this might happen, that these liberties might be preserved. And as we remember these things tonight, those that died in the world wars, those that died in the recent conflict here in Northern Ireland, those who have given their lives in other wars in Iraq, Afghanistan, and Lord, we're not forgetful of Ukraine tonight and our friends that are with us very conscious that they have loved ones and friends that are back in that land who are in danger, some of them fighting on the front line, some of them in dangerous places as they go in and rescue others that are in danger. Lord, remember them for good. And may it please God to bring this war to a conclusion. Bless all who take part we pray for ourselves as we sing the hymns together, these hymns that remind us of Christ who paid the ultimate sacrifice for us when he gave us life that we might have everlasting life. As we think about these things tonight in the hymns and the choir as they sing, and David as he comes to testify, and also in the message that will be brought, oh God, speak to every heart that's here and those that might be listening in on the internet tonight. All these things we pray and we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Stephen. I'll hand it over to Stephen. Thank you. Would the congregation please stand to receive the standards and remain standing for our act of remembrance?
They shall grow not old, that as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun, and in the morning, we will remember them.
When you go home, tell them of us and say, for your tomorrow we give our today. The congregation may be seated for the wreath laying. These wreaths are laid in thankful remembrance of those who in two world wars and subsequent conflicts and during the troubles in Northern Ireland have given their today for our tomorrow. And tonight we will remember those whose lives have been taken in the war in Ukraine, both civilian and military. We're pleased to have with us our Ukrainian friends who have come to live with us here in Balamani. A wreath will also be laid by the comrades of the late Mr. Robert Getty, who last year just stood a few yards away from me here. He carried the Union Standard at a remembrance service, but sadly died four days later. And our thoughts and prayers continue to be with Robert's family. So we're now come to the wreath laying. And first of all, the Causeway Coast and Glensborough Council the Mayor of Causeway Coast and Glensborough, Councillor, Councillor Ivor Wallace. The Army, Major David Allen, 152 North Irish Regiment, RLC. Retired Major Adrian Patrick, 152 Transport Regiment, RLC. Retired Colour Sergeant Hugh McClanahan, Royal Irish Regiment. The Royal British Legion, Mr. John Foster and Mr. William McAleese, Collybacky Royal British Legion Branch.
The Police Service of Northern Ireland, the Chief Constable, Mr. Simon Byrne, QBM, Mr. Doug Garrett, Chairman of the Northern Ireland Policing Board. The Northern Ireland Prison Service, Mr. Ronnie Armour, Director General of the Northern Ireland Prison Service. The Northern Ireland Fire and Rescue Service, Firefighter Mr. John McCauley. Northern Ireland Ambulance Service, paramedic Mr. Stephen Laverty. The UDR Association, Mr. Derek Archibald and Mr. Gary McClelland in memory of his father, Mr. Charlie McClelland. And in this centenary year of the formation of the RUC, we particularly remember their service and sacrifice. So for the Royal Ulster Constabulary, George Cross, Mr. Paul Kyle, and Ms. Marian, Mrs. Marianne Stevenson. The Ulster Special Constabulary Association, Mr. Drew Balmer. 
the Orange Order and the Royal Black Institution, Mr. William Archibald, Chaplain, Balamoney District Number 16, and Mr. Robert McAleese, Balamoney Royal Black District Number 5 Lecturer. The Independent Orange Institution, Imperial Grand Master Mr. James Anderson, past Imperial Grand Master Alderman Al McLean, and Deputy Imperial Grand Master Mr. Mervyn Story. The Apprentice Boys of Derry, Mr. William McLean, Mr. Alex Taylor, and Mr. Sean McCauley. Then in memory of Sergeant David Ross, 31 years of age, Royal Military Police, who was murdered on the 27th of March, 1984, Grancha Londonderry, Mr. Robert McCauley, a witness at the scene. And in memory of all innocent civilians who lost their lives during the Troubles in Northern Ireland, Mr. Ian Brownlow. On behalf of the Youth Fellowship here of Hebron Free Presbyterian Church, Mr. Joshua Fletcher and Miss Sarah Glenn. In memory of all those civilians and military personnel who have lost their lives in the war in Ukraine, Pastor Valentin Pavlenkov, Valery Chapilko, and Mr. Sasha Bashkov.
In memory of RUC Constable Frank O'Reilly, the last serving member of the RUC to be murdered in Northern Ireland on the 6th of October 1998, the Reverend David Park, a brother-in-law. And on behalf of the session, committee and congregation of Hebron Free Presbyterian Church, Mr. Phil Moffat, clerk of session. That concludes the wreath laying, and we wish to place on record our appreciation to all who have taken part in our remembrance service. And I'm just going to ask the Reverend Park uh, to close in prayer, to close this part of our service. Thank you. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, this has been a solemn time in your house tonight in remembrance of those who have given their lives. We acknowledge the goodness and the mercy of God towards us as a nation. We thank you tonight for preserving our freedoms and our liberties. We take a moment to remember very especially those that are mourning today. And we know that Remembrance Sunday is very personal to some who are still mourning the passing of their loved ones who gave their lives in various conflicts. We remember the situation in Ukraine very especially and we pray for our brethren and sisters that are here this evening with us. Many of them have friends and loved ones back in Ukraine in dangerous places. Lord, protect them. Continue to bless us through this service this evening. Be one of our number in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. I'm going to sing together the hymn, There is a Story Sweet to Hear. I love to tell it too. It fills my heart with hope and cheer. Tis old, yet ever new.
The announcements are very brief tonight. I want to, first of all, bid you welcome again in the Savior's name to this special service of remembrance. And if you're joining us tonight on Sermon Audio or Facebook or YouTube, a welcome to you. We also welcome our distinguished visitors. We thank you sincerely for taking time out of your schedule and coming and being part of this service tonight. Refreshments will be served after the service. That will be just out here in the fellowship area. You'll be able to go right into this area or left into the church building, the church hall. I want to sincerely thank Mervyn for organizing tonight, bringing everything together. We know there's a lot of hard work that goes into it, and I just want to say, Mervyn, thank you uh, in deep appreciation of all the work that you've done. And sincere thanks to Stephen Fletcher, our narrator, Ian Kennedy, the bugler, Gareth Lamont, the piper, and our church organist and pianist. We also want to extend our sympathy to Mr. David Jackson tonight, the chief executive who can't be here this evening because of a bereavement in the family. His father-in-law has passed away. These are all the announcements I need to make, except to say that there is a book that has been produced entitled Our Noble Queen. Victor Maxwell is the author of this book, and all who took part this evening, we have a copy that we want to present, not here in the service, but we'll give it to you afterwards. Make sure that you get a copy of this before you go home. Anybody else that wants a copy, you can get it down the road in Macaulay's bookshop. We're delighted to have Major David Johnston tonight to give a personal word of testimony, and we're going to ask David to come now and just, just from his heart, tell us how he came to know the Lord and what the Lord means to him. Thank you very much. God bless you. The book of Romans chapter 8, if you just take your Bibles, want to read one verse. of Romans chapter 8. Just while you're turning to it, can I uh, thank the Reverend Park and the session here for the invitation uh, to take part in this special remembrance service and to share a short word of testimony of how the Lord saved me and how he has kept me through life's journey. So Romans 8, we're going to just read the verse 28. Romans 8. 28, the Word of God says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. I'll be mentioning this verse uh, towards the end of the testimony. Well, I was born in 1970 over in the land of America uh, in Wisconsin, and my parents, and many of you know, uh, Ron and Rainbow Johnson, they had left here uh, in late 1969 uh, to go over to be missionary uh, trainees in America and then Canada, and then spent five years out in the land of Papua New Guinea. And as I've got older, I recognize just what that meant for a young couple in their early 20s uh, to leave friends and family and to go to the far side of the world to what was a Stone Age tribe in Papua New Guinea to share the gospel. Uh, and what a tremendous example mom and dad have been uh, to the family down through the years. And uh, I've been brought up in a Christian environment. Uh, I do not remember a time when I did not know I needed to be saved. Brought up in Bible stories, obviously in a Christian school on the mission field. And it was at the age of six 
I believe I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as my own personal Savior. I don't have a date, but I could take you to the room and the bedside where in simple childlike faith, I just knelt beside my bed and asked the Lord Jesus Christ to save me. And while I was young, um, thank God he does save even the children. And uh, obviously the evidence of a true work of grace in a child's heart, because we do live in an age when sometimes children may pray a prayer and not really understand, there's going to be evidence. If there's a true heart change, there will be fruit as uh, we grow up as, as, as kids and adults and beyond. And when I got into my teenage years, unfortunately, like I suppose many teenagers, uh, I went into Bypath Meadow. And while I went to church on a Sunday, I was the minister's son. I was there at the youth fellowship or was there at the children's meeting. And for all intents and purposes, I was a good little minister's son. But I knew in my heart, I knew when I was with my friends at school, there was no difference in what they did and I did, the language they used, the language that, that, that I used. And I knew I wasn't walking right with the Lord. But thank God, on uh, the 22nd of September, 1986, we had moved down to the Clocker Valley. And I can remember many months of having a, a spiritual battle in my mind. I, I, I knew I wasn't living right. I knew I wasn't reading God's Word. I knew I wasn't uh, hearing God speak through reading His Word. And I wanted to get this spiritual matter dealt with. And there was a mission in the church. Uh, I asked to speak to the minister after the, the Monday night service. Told him how I felt. And he simply turned me to that passage over in John chapter 6, verse 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come unto me, and him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out. And what a tremendous verse that is. And you know, for me, that verse gave me assurance, assurance of my salvation and gave me uh, a relief that I could be right with God. And what a, what a tremendous promise that if we come as sinners in repentance to God, that he will never turn a sinner away. And what a great promise to hold on to. I had two main passions in life. One was football. I played Irish League for about 10 years, and for about 30 years I've been involved at different levels of football here in Northern Ireland. Uh, currently the youth development manager down at Lockwell Football Club. Um, but my other main passion was the army. And I don't know why, but right from an early age I was always fascinated um, by the military and by soldiers. And in 1988, as an 18-year-old, I joined what was then the Royal Irish Rangers. It's now the 2nd Battalion Royal Irish Regiment, as they're known. But I joined up in Oma, um, in the ranks initially, and after a couple of years was sent off to Sandhurst uh, to be an officer. And since 1988, up to about, I think it was about 2007, uh, I served in the Royal Irish Rangers. And you know, the Bible's full of, of wars and battles. And it's actually quite fascinating from a, a military standpoint to read the Old Testament. The Israeli army today still look at some of Joshua's battle tactics as they went into the land of Canaan uh, and actually still employ some of those as they train their officers uh, in military tactics. So there, there's so much in the Bible about soldiers. And Second uh, Samuel 23 has to be a favorite passage of mine, the list of the, the 30 um, sort of top soldiers of David. Uh, in the land of Israel at that time, and then there was three above that. And I call them David's special forces, uh, but a very interesting passage. And some of the feats that, that those men did on the battlefield is quite exceptional. I've been very fortunate in the time of the military to travel all over the world um, on exercises and also playing football for the army. So I've been in the Falkland Islands, I've been in Canada, Holland, Germany, and actually was one of the first British troops to be in the land of Ukraine 
I know we've got some um, brothers and sisters from Ukraine here tonight, but back in 1998, um, just as Ukraine started to move towards a relationship with NATO, there was an exchange of troops. And in 1998, I was one of the first uh, men off the, the aircraft uh, onto the airstrip over in Ukraine. We spent two weeks in a place called Lviv, up near the Polish border. 2003 brought the Iraq war, and that was a, certainly a game changer for those in the, in the Army Reserve, uh, as well as for anyone in the military at that time. My own brother Ian went off to uh, the war fighting phase, as it was called. I was suffering from a, a broken leg in football, unfortunately, and wasn't able to go, much to my frustration. Um, but in uh, August 2003, I uh, had, a, had a photograph in the Belfast Telegraph doing some media work supporting the troops um, out in Iraq. But in August, I remember getting a phone call from our adjutant, and he's, David, uh, where are you? And I was actually ha happened to be in Wales um, on holiday, seeing my sister. And he says, well, when you get off the boat, you're not allowed to go home. You have to go straight to Grosvenor Road Police Station. Uh, your details, your personal details, have been found on a file in a, a house owned by dissident Republicans in West Belfast, and you're being targeted. Now, I'm sure there's a number of men here that have been in that situation before, but it's certainly a very frightening experience when I mean, you're sitting with a policeman and he's showing you your photograph and then handwritten notes where someone has got your personal details and they're building your profile and your movements with the view to take your life. And, and that, of course, was the reality in our problems for many years, but certainly was a, was a very sobering experience. Little did I think then the following year, in 2004, that we would end up being out in Iraq ourselves, and we did go out there as second in command of a, of a company of 100 men, and uh, we were out there then for seven months for a tour ourselves. And time doesn't permit me, obviously, to go into uh, many details of that. You can imagine leaving um, a wife with two small children uh, back here. My friend is here with me this evening. Our youngest was three weeks old uh, whenever we, we left uh, to head over to the land of Iraq. Uh, having to establish my testimony with uh, new officers and, and obviously with the men, uh, that was challenging. Just the pressures of operating and, and managing troops in an operational environment with everything that, that is going on, seeing the tragedy of Iraq, but also visiting Bible sites. What a, what a memory to be able to visit some of the sites that we read about in Scripture, that we hear about in children's meeting. Um, we was able to walk over the ruins of the city of the Ur of the Chaldees, which is where Abraham was from. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that all took place near Baghdad. Uh, the story of Queen Esther up near the Iranian border. Uh, Nineveh, one of the greatest revivals in history, northern Iraq, near the city of Mosul. And to be able to see some of those Bible sites, it really just brought the Bible um, alive for me um, in, in that country. As you can imagine, one of the biggest memories is, is the danger and, and the death and while I certainly was not involved in any serious firefights, and certainly many, many soldiers witnessed much more than I did, always emphasize that, but we were in situations where we were mortared and we had rounds coming in nearby and, and obviously roadside bombs going off nearby and things like that. Um, but God was good and, and God protected. But the most vivid memory was the reality of death, the reality of death. And on a remembered Sunday is this, we obviously are thinking particularly of those who did pay the ultimate sacrifice uh, when it came to, to war and to combat. And we were only there a few weeks when we had a chance to see the bus of 20 school children 
the, the bus had been blown up by a suicide bomber. 20 kids taken into God's eternity. And we sat and or stood at the ruins of the, of the, the minibus um, and, and just tried to contemplate what that was like, that, that loss of life. And there were 16 British soldiers killed during our tour. Uh, we did at times hear the explosion that, that would have took a, a soldier's life. Uh, and again, time does not permit me to go into that in detail. But uh, you can only but imagine the reality of that every day waking up and wondering, would it be one of your troops today? And I can certainly recall at times maybe hearing an explosion, um, been told to ring the ops room and left the mobile phone to, to dial the ops room. And you're just wondering, are you going to be told that one of your men has, has lost his life? Uh, and that was the environment that, that we, we lived in. But as you can imagine, as I draw to a close, since being out in Iraq, the Remembrance Sunday takes on a whole new meaning. And my own great-grandfather, uh, Private Samuel Montgomery, uh, he died in Apes in 1918. And of course, there were some friends I knew in the province here, but then of course, there are those who died during our tour of Iraq. And it is good to remember. But I want to recount one story just as I, as I close. Uh, we were there about, what, six, seven weeks when we were involved in an incident, some of our troops a landmine, and with a young fella in Shaiba Log Base, which is where the medical center was, the strap on his neck, 50-50, tense of care, and I had to have a chat as part of the welfare with his fellow soldier who was standing in the back of the snatch vehicle, and the landmine went off. And I was discussing with him what happened and trying to assess his suitability to go back onto operations. He turned to me and he said, sir, you're a Christian. How do you explain that I am standing here talking to you? And he named his friend. He's down fighting for his life in intensive care. How, how, do you, how do you explain that? And that was a gunk. Just from a, here I am as a Christian out in Iraq talking to a fellow who's just cheated death. You could literally see in his eyes the, the, the reality that he just cheated death. And he's asking me from a spiritual perspective. How do I explain what happened? And maybe you're here tonight, and you're asking why. Why a death? Why a sickness? Why an illness? Why a circumstance in life? We all have whys. Well, this passage in this verse we read gives us the answer. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And that was a, a verse I learned at Kilskiri Independent Christian School, where we attended for a few years. And I simply said to that young lad, I can't explain everything about life. I don't know what's going to happen to me over the next six or seven months out here. But what I do know is that I believe that God has everything in control. And he's planned my life. And if it is injury or death or whatever, that's in his hands. And being a Christian means I can leave all of those questions with him. And during my time in Iraq, this verse became my verse. It was a source of comfort, a source of strength, a source of encouragement and indeed a source of explanation as to how I could make sense of what we were going through. And Paul has this amazing assurance and confidence in the Christian hope. And I can testify tonight that in my life's journey so far, in the life of my family, and my wife Brenda lost her, her mother after illness um, during uh, the COVID. Um, my own mother obviously battled cancer last year, as many of you know, and it was, just, it was, it was amazing to watch mum and dad deal with that on a personal basis. It's one thing being a minister and dealing with people in the congregation going through illness and tragedy, but to, to watch them as they left everything with the Lord it was an amazing sight. So this message, as I, as, as I close this passage, is very much about, as a Christian, 
you can face all of life's challenges, all of life's difficulties, its disappointments, its, its heartaches, its temptations, and its dangers. You can face them all if you're in Christ. And if you're not saved tonight, if you do not know Christ as your own and personal Savior, well then, what do you look to? What do you trust in in that day of, of difficulty? I would like to just finish with a poem. It's actually a poem my wife um, just penned herself in um, 2016 at the 100 year anniversary of the psalm. And it's simply entitled, If You Had Only. If you had only stood where I had stood and watched with me a while and faced that awful terror as men around me died. If you had only seen what I had seen, the earth with jaws wrenched wide, stealing the lives of men so young who were fighting for victory with pride. If you had only touched what I had touched, the hands of those who were gone, their faces marred by the pain of death, their broken bodies once strong. If you had only felt what I had felt, a heart that was never healed, as around me death its captives took and left me alone to grieve. Then, then you could only stop and remember us, what we did in Flanders fields. You'd think of the cost of our sacrifice and the lives we had to yield. You'd honor the men who stood so strong while paying the ultimate price. And you'd say, we will remember them because for you, we gave our lives. Amen. Thank you very much, David, for coming and giving your personal testimony. Appreciate that. Just before I bring a little message tonight, we're going to ask our choir to come and sing.
As the choir takes their seats, I want to thank them. It's always a joy to hear from the Hebron choir, and when they lead us to the cross, the place where Jesus died, bring us to that, that prayer of our heart, make Calvary real to me. We really appreciate that message. May God bless his word that was very clearly presented in those songs tonight. Last year, Robert Getty was with us, and you'll see from the order of service that just a few days after the remembrance service last year, he passed away. And our condolences are with his family tonight, and we trust that the Lord will bless them. And I see your brother Joe Cosley tonight, and Joe, we really appreciate the printing of these order of services. It's uh, looking well, and thank you very much in the Savior's name. I'm going to read just two verses of Scripture. And I want to read Romans 5 and verse 8, and then Galatians 2 and verse 20. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. <coughs> the great theme, of course, at, at remembrance time is love. And we think of the love of those who gave their lives for our freedoms. And we're always led to the greatest sacrifice of all, and that, of course, we've heard about in the songs that we've sung tonight and also the choir who have taken part. And we're thinking about the love of Christ to us. And for assembly tonight, I just want to speak on the great love of Jesus Christ for sinners. And two verses, Romans 5, verse 8, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 where the Apostle Paul writes, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And the last part of the text particularly, where Paul is able to say he loved me and he gave himself for me. Today, of course, is Remembrance Sunday, and this is a day that is laid aside to remember those who have died in conflict, and rightly so. It's good to remember those who paid the ultimate sacrifice. We remember especially those who died in the two world wars. World War I, sometimes called the Great War, from the 28th of July, 1914, to the 11th of November, 1918 when an estimated 9 million soldiers died in combat, with another 5 million civilian deaths as a result of military actions, hunger, and disease. Then World War II, from 1939 to 1945, a global war that involved the vast majority of the world's countries, including all the great powers, involving over 100 million personnel from 30 different countries. It resulted in between 70 and 85 million fatalities, mostly civilians. Tens of millions died due to genocide, starvation, massacres, and diseases. It included the Holocaust, which was Nazi Germany's deliberate organized state-sponsored persecution, and machine-like murder of approximately 6 million Jewish people and 5 million 
prisoners of war. If you ever get the opportunity to visit Auschwitz or Birkenau, I would highly recommend it. My family sent Susan and I there a few years ago, and it was very moving just to, to visit the museums and just to recall all that took place in those camps. It's hard to process the scale of these deaths in two world wars, around 100 million people. And today we salute their memory, the memory of those who died for our freedom, our civil and religious liberties, and truly we say we will remember them. We are not forgetful of those who died in the Ulster conflict. We all know family and friends that lost their lives, and tonight we led a wreath that was particular to our family, uh, Frankie O'Reilly, the last constable uh, of the RUC that was murdered due to the conflict. Uh, it's good to have my sister Roberta here tonight as well. We remember those that died in other conflicts like Iraq and Afghanistan and the present war in Ukraine is very much in our minds because we're, by the grace of God, seeking to help and look after 41 Ukrainians that are with us here in Valamani and worship with us every Lord's Day. Having a remembrance service and other remembrance events to honor those who serve to defend our democratic freedoms. We remember the sacrifice of the armed forces from Britain and the Commonwealth. We pay a tribute to the special contribution of families from the emergency services. We acknowledge innocent civilians who have lost their lives in conflict and terrorism. Two-minute silence is held at 11 a.m. on the 11th day of the 11th month, on the day that World War I officially ended. The first two-minute silence was held in 1919 when King George requested it. People have asked the question, especially if they're not from our country, why do you wear poppies at this time of the year? Well, poppies were one of the first flowers to grow on the battlefields of World War I. The red symbolizes hope after conflict, and they have been used as a symbol since 1920. Forty-five million poppies are bought every year in the United Kingdom. Wreaths are led in remembrance of those who have given their lives. Many memorials throughout the country have the inscription, the Bible inscription from John 15 and verse 13, where Jesus said, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Indeed, this text is inscribed on war memorials throughout the world. In the context of a war memorial, we might picture a brave soldier taking a bullet for another, or perhaps throwing himself on a grenade. If we were the one saved, the one that was protected as a result, well, then we would be forever grateful. In the highest it is the highest expression of human love. When Jesus spoke these words to the disciples in John chapter 15, the ultimate application finds itself in the expression of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ at the cross. He is the one who took the bullet for us, if I can use that phrase reverently tonight. He is the one that out of infinite love stood in the sinner's place 
and laid down his life that we might have life eternal and not die the sinner's death. And that's the heart of the gospel, the heart of the Christian message. Summarized in the one word, substitution. It simply means that there was one that took the place of another, one that stood in the stead of another. You have not seen the height and the depth, the length and the breadth of God's love until you visit Calvary, where Jesus died. In the wide view of God's love, it's manifested in the supply that he gives to us every day. It is manifested in the strength that he gives us every day and also in the sympathy that he bestows in our times of need. But the greatest demonstration of his love towards mankind is his sacrifice at the cross of Calvary. Come with me just for a little while at the close of this service tonight and visit Calvary. Stand beneath the shadow of the cross and and watch Jesus die and understand something, something of the great love of God towards you and I. The two thoughts that I want to speak about tonight are encapsulated in the two verses that I've read to you. First of all, Romans 5 and verse 8. And here we have a general declaration of Christ's love. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The love of God in Christ and his wondrous sacrifice is declared over and over again throughout the Scriptures. We have it beautifully expounded in that text of all texts, the world-famous proclamation to the old religious Pharisee Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And we have it here in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. God has proved his love. He has demonstrated his love. He has recommended his love towards you and I through the death of his son, Jesus Christ, at the cross. The love of God and of his son, Jesus Christ, is seen in the sacrifice of Calvary. And this love is extended towards you and I, as the text tells us, while we were yet sinners when there was nothing good in us, nothing to recommend us to God, nothing that would provoke the love of God in a natural sense. It was then that God set his love upon us and sent his son to die. God looked down into this old, fallen, cursed world of sin. He set his infinite love upon a world of sinners ruined by the fall, and he sent his son to the brow of Calvary to die in our place. What does this mean? What does it mean when when Paul says Christ died for us? Well, the key is in the little preposition that is used, the word for. That simply means in the place of, instead of. It is Jesus standing in the place of sinners. It is Jesus taking that which we deserved for all eternity. What did I deserve? Because of my sin, I deserve the eternal wrath of God. I was justly under the sentence of death. I was condemned already. My sin demanded punishment. Continually breaking the laws of a holy God called the judgment of God upon my life, and that judgment was eternal. 
I deserve to die. I deserve to be, to be punished, to be cast out forever, to go down to the sides of the pit. And if I got my just deserts, I would be cast into outer darkness, into that place where Jesus declares that the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. But Jesus took my place. That substitution, that's the gospel. That's Christ laying down his life for me. That's the greater love that no man hath than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. But Jesus went even further than that. He did not lay down his life as, as we have it in this world, a friend dying for a friend, a soldier taking the bullet for his comrade, a father dying for his child. Jesus did not die for his friends, but he died for those that were estranged to him, those that were enemies. While we were yet sinners, vile, rebellious, transgressing sinners, Christ died for us. It's a marvelous text. I say to you that it is a most splendid thing to be able to, to speak in these general collective terms, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And as verse 6 tells us, that Christ died for the ungodly. His love towards us. It is while we were yet sinners, and praise God, he died for us. Who? The ungodly. The undeserving. The unrighteous. The unbelieving. For you and I that are in this church building tonight, a general declaration of Christ's love. But think of my other text. Think of the words of Paul when he says, he loved me and he gave himself for me. Paul could speak from personal experience. It's a wonderful thing to, to ponder the love of God in a collective sense, that love that is towards us collectively, that love that is for us, and how blessed we are in such thoughts. But greater is the wonder and greater is the feeling when you can say with absolute confidence and truth as the Apostle Paul is saying here, he loved me and he gave himself for me. You can't get any more personal than that. All those who have had a conversion experience as, as Paul had can proclaim the love of Christ in a most vivid and personal way. He loved me, and he gave himself for me. It's one thing to be able to say that, that he loved the world, and that's a marvelous truth. God so loved the world. It's a wonderful thing to be able to say that he loved the ungodly, that he loved wretched sinners, even to say that he loved the church. As the Scripture says, he loved the church, and he gave himself for it. But all oh, the, the feeling of joy and jubilation of gladness and gratification to be able to say from the heart, he loved me and he gave himself for me. All oh, the riches of his mercy and the wonder of his grace that Jesus would set his love upon me. A wretched, guilty, hell-deserving sinner and give himself for me. He didn't give another. He didn't send one of the celestial beings of heaven, a cherubim, a seraphim, an archangel, 
one of the living creatures of the elders that we read about that gathered around the throne of God. No, he came himself. God gave his son. Jesus gave himself to the, the humiliation of the incarnation and all that that involved. He gave himself to the, the human flesh that we possess. He took upon him human flesh and our weakness. He gave himself to rejection and rebellion, the shame and scoffing, the suffering and sorrow, to anguish and agony, to the cruel scourging and mocking and thorns and nails, to God's anger against sin. I say to you tonight, as we close this meeting, truly, greater love hath no man than this. As you ponder this love and, and you understand it, and I trust that in some measure you can take it in and you can understand it tonight, I would say to you, run to the cross. Run to the cross with all haste and receive this love, this mercy, this forgiveness that is found in Christ alone. May God bless his word to your heart and mind for Jesus' sake. There's a lovely hymn that we're going to sing as we close tonight. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus, pay it all. Pay it all. Nothing for us to do but to receive that which he has done. May God give you grace to do that tonight for Christ's sake. Let's think of the words of the hymn as we sing them together.
trust you're able to stay for some refreshments tonight. Please don't go away if that's possible. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for this remembrance day, this remembrance service, all that has been done, all the great truths of the gospel that we've learned afresh. We pray that the Lord himself will apply these things to every heart. Bless us as we, in a few minutes' time, part from this service, receive our thanks for the refreshments that have been provided. Help us to eat and drink to your glory and bring us home safely tonight. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We remain standing as we sing together the national anthem. Congregation may be seated. <clears throat> 